Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Bible canonization. Now, you know, I think I was start with saying this, that um, what must not happen is after this meeting, I will not see you on Twitter, <laughs> you know, to show that, ah, apologetics. <laughs> the reason we learn these things is not because... Um, we want to prove anything. First and foremost, it's because Christianity is an historical faith. You know, there's a way oftentimes you can read the Bible and it feels like a story. Like a fictional story. And you forget that the man Paul was a man that lived on the earth. And that the man Jesus, just like you, walked upon the face of this earth with sandals, gladiator sandals, very fine Gucci gladiator sandals, by the way. I mean, my Lord and Savior can't have been wearing slippers. I'm just saying, duh. You know, very fine, you know, gladiator sandals, putting on the best of robes. Fresh guy. You know, <laughs> you know, why would someone want to touch the M of his garments? Because I've been designer. But that's by the way. But the point is, there's a way you can, you can read the Bible and sometimes you just forget that these people were actually human beings that lived. And that's like, they had a calendar. Do you understand? And they had houses they lived in, you know. And they had earthly stories. And so, a lot of times, it just helps you when you see the history to understand that this thing I believe is the truth. Are you with me? Do you understand me? But and that's why I mean this is the first time that expressly as a ministry we are going to be teaching on like his, the historicity of faith. And there's a reason. There's a reason I didn't teach it earlier. It's not because I couldn't. It's actually because there are some things that are more important. See, it's more important to me that you believe in the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, than that you know that of a truth he came to this world. Are we together? Are you with me? Some things have more priority. For example, Jesus was speaking to Thomas. So Thomas said, he said, ah, when they told him that, you know, Jesus had been raised from the dead, Thomas said, you know what? Unless I see his hands and his legs, unless I see the hole there, I'm not going to believe. And so, what happens? Jesus, you know, appears to him one time, you know, and then he sees Jesus, he sees the hands and the legs, and then he says what? He says, my God, my Lord and my God, you know, oh my Lord. And then, <laughs> Jesus as a savage that he is, says, you believed in me because of the things you saw. He said, bless that day. Who do not see, yes, believe. So, Jesus, I'm just asking you. Don't be annoyed. Are you trying to say that him is now... Well, no problem. There's no problem. But he said, bless that day. Who, despite not seeing, they believe. In other words, Jesus wants you to relate with him first and foremost in the arena of faith. I wish the other guys. He wants you to relate with him first and foremost by faith. Now, notice in Luke chapter 24, we t- spoke about this in Lagos. When Jesus met those two men, uh, those two people on the way to Emmaus, right? And then, you know, they were speaking about, you know, Jesus could have just said, Shame, is, Am I not the one that you are talking about? You know, after, you know, when saying, Concerning one Jesus of Nazareth, you know, Jesus was so funny. He just said, You know, what things? You know, imagine when people are telling you about you. And you're like, Wow, that's crazy. That's so crazy. You know, and, you know, they were talking. And, what does he do? He goes through the scripture. Why does he go through the scripture? Do you notice something important about what he says? He says, all fools and slow of heart to believe. The issue was faith. To believe. Believe all that the prophets have spoken. And I told you guys, I asked the question, can you really believe everything the prophets spoke? But that's, please, make sure you get Lagos' teaching. I said a lot there. But what I'm trying to show you is how that Jesus was more keen about them believing. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? He wanted them to get him first of all from the eyes of Revelation before they now began to understand from a natural perspective. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So, in other words, when it comes to the gospel, 
all right or when it comes to our faith before you, you know, want to delve, so I know that you want to delve into apologetics, and you know, there's just something about those things when they use big grammar that you feel like, can you, you know, you hear, for example, um, what's the this one? You hear penal substitutionary atonement. Ah, what are they saying? It's simple. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. It was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Literally, Jesus taking your place. Simple. They say penal substitutionary atonement. Aye. So, I want to see. Don't disturb yourself so much with all those grammar. No Bible. Amen? No Bible. All those one, Me. I don't know the grammar. But you cannot say it. By the time you open Bible, I'll teach you. I, d- I don't know the grammar with you. Say Adrianism. Uh, complementarism. I don't... All those ones. It's not my problem. She Bible. Kajo she. Amen? Hallelujah. Do you understand me? So, I just want to put that in perspective. Alright? So, this... Topic of Bible canonization is first of all for people who already esteem the Bible. Are you with me? Already, and that's why the first thing I thought in Lagos was I first thought about Bible's inspiration. Are we together? The inspiration of the Bible, understanding the Bible, how to esteem the scriptures. Do you understand me? So we've cleared whether so this is the point. Whether or not we arrive at a conclusive answer on Bible canonization, by faith we know the Bible is inspired by God. Simple. Amen. Do you understand me? It's just like, for example, when we are discussing about the uh, when we are trying to debate the existence of God. First and foremost, I know God exists by faith. Are you with me? We can go around all the explanations, and you know, I give you good enough points for you to know without a reasonable doubt that God exists. But let's even be clear. I know of a shorty that he exists, not because I have you know physical answers or so on and so forth, but because by faith I know. Does that make sense, guys? Are you with me? So that's the more important thing. Okay. Alright? So now, let's go to Bible canonization. Let's just say some things about Bible canonization. You know, first of all, a canon simply refers to or it means a guide or a rule by which you decide that something is either right or wrong. It refers to a guide or a rule by which you, de- uh, by which you decide that something is either right or wrong. So, the biblical canon really just refers to a set of rules or guidelines by which you determine, you know, what books are, put this in quotes, right or wrong. you see why very soon. You see why very soon um why, why why some books are right or wrong or why some books are the foundations upon which our christian faith is predicated amen now before we start we must first of all ask ourselves this question when it comes to the authority of scripture and i want i want you know i want to throw this out to you when we talk about the authority of scripture or the authority of books of scripture are the authorities intrinsic or extrinsic i'm going to explain what i mean in other words is it that by extrinsic i mean is it that we see scriptures, we decide that this is authoritative, and then we agree. Or, we see scriptures, we recognize its authority, and then we take it again. Extrinsic would mean we see scriptures, we as a church say, oh, this is correct. And then, so we, we confer authority on it. Or is it that we see scriptures... We recognize, it, we recognize its authority and then we accept it as Lord over us. Intrinsic or extrinsic? Extrin- oh, extrin- uh, extrinsic was the first one. Intrinsic was the one. So, extrinsic or, inst- or intrinsic? Extrinsic, raise, raise your hand. Extrinsic, raise your hand. Intrinsic, raise your hand. Ah, Some people don't raise their hands. Though. Intrinsic, raise your hands. Alright. So, the way it is really is that we are not the ones who confer authority on scripture so when we speak of the authority of scripture it is intrinsic so we see 
the intrinsic authority of scripture in the fact that we recognize as a church the authority of the books of scripture and then based on those books we then take them as lord do you understand my point are you with me so it's not that we decide so the, the first problem that people oftentimes have with canonization people hear things like you know um why are there some books that you are not reading why are there some books that you're reading you know people just decided the books they are going to read no that's not it we didn't decide it we saw books and you're going to see why they saw books we saw books and based on the authority of those of certain books among them we could say oh this is lord do you understand my point so we recognized the authority and then took it to us does that make sense guys are you with me so we didn't just decide no they were already laid down principles of authority and you will see them okay that's my one number two is that oftentimes the problem people um, i've heard this phrase a lot people removed books from the bible that's not true anybody who understands bible canonization knows that they were never the books that are not a part were never a part are you with me so it wasn't like there was a book then at some point they you know they just snatched out some sheets and they were not printing the other one no the books were never together are we together guys last but not least I'm, i think i'm just add this by the way whenever you hear people want to argue about the apocryphal books i think the first question you need to ask them is why does it matter why okay why, why does it matter to you that the bible is wrong if it was right would you believe it oftentimes i know those people are just looking for arguments are we together are we together that's why it's one reason why i always tell people that when you argue for example with an atheist sometimes like the person is not the person is not you think the the the, the premise upon which for upon which atheists talk is a premise where they make it look to you like they are being scientific and intellectual no it's largely emotional it's not because the truth is this even if you have to prove to them beyond reasonable doubt that there is a god they still wouldn't they still wouldn't believe in him are we together they still wouldn't believe it's not because the reason they don't believe in god is not because they don't, they don't have enough proof from science to know it's not because they don't have enough proof from science to know that there is a god that's not it at all the reason they don't believe rather it's just because they've decided in themselves not to believe and so they now begin to find they begin to get findings that align with that thought process does that make sense guys are we together exactly okay thank you very much you've touched my shirts today mother <laughs> all right let's continue so so you need, so those are things that you need to know so if for example somebody is asking about the apocryphal, apocryphal books you know so on and so forth bible canonization just ask them why does it matter why does it matter that some books were removed from the bible first of all have you read that bible the rest of the bible that the books are still remaining have you read it number two the apocryphal books that you're asking about have you read them before I can tell you for sure, 99% of people that argue about apocryphal books have never read it. How many of you have read the apocry- apocryphal books here? Never, you see? Never. So why, why is it so much of a debate in the church then? Because people don't even read it. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I think I must say, the, the, the meaning of the word apocrypha, now if I was to ask you, what is the meaning of apocrypha? You don't even know. Now, I don't blame you anyways, but I'm just trying to let you see how generally, like, there is a depth, there is a dearth D-E-A-R-C-H of passion to even want to know in the first place in the church. We just hear some things and we just, like, we don't sit down. Do you understand? We, we don't even have the zeal to want to know it. Do you understand my point? There's just this apathy we have generally towards certain things. It shouldn't be that way. Okay? Even if you don't have a total understanding of what it is, you must have an idea. How many, how many of us here know some of the books, of those, some of those apocryphal books? You just know them, at least the name. Anybody else? 
Just those things are sometimes just good to know. Do you understand? I didn't know it because of this teaching. I knew not all of them, anyways, but I knew a lot of them just like from my interaction over time. Okay, but now the meaning of the word apocrypha. Apocrypha just simply means um, apocrypha etymology. Um, etymologically, it means hidden. Right, meaning from the root of the word, it means hidden. All right, but over the years, the meaning has evolved. You know, it has evolved over the years to mean a book of unknown origin authorship or anything really of unknown origin authorship. Okay, um, Jerome, we are going to talk about Jerome very soon. Saint Jerome, who was a Christian priest, he was a Christian priest and a theologian in the fourth, fourth century AD. Now, this is also another thing, we're going to do a lot, a lot of dates. So, folks who don't like history, yeah, <laughs> I actually don't like history as well, but. You will realize how interesting history is when it comes to the Christian faith. Extremely, extremely interesting. Because when when you begin to look at it this way, Jesus existed on the earth around 30 BC to 3 AD. It kind of changes it. Now it now begins to sound real. Like you know, from the Bible, the word was made flesh, it dwelt among us. Jonathan, there's a way it looks spiritual and everything. But when you take it to the sense that Jesus as a man lived on the earth around 30 BC to around 3 AD. It begins to change your mind. Oh. So there was a calendar date to when Jesus... Do you understand my point? You can, it begins to sound natural. Paul was in this particular place by 10 AD. Do you understand? The book of Revelation was written around 63 AD. The destruction of the temple happened around 70 AD. Those things begin to make you realize that this thing can be traced. Do you understand? We can actually trace it and say, oh, of a truth, this thing happened. Does that make sense, guys? Okay, so let's continue. So, over time, the um, um, meaning of the word apocrypha, um, 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 it evolved. And since Jerome, who I said was a Christian priest and a theologian, actually said, eventually said, it could, be, it could be used to refer to books that were not bad, could be read, but must not be used as foundations of doctrine in the church. And I think that's very important to say. He, he later said, these, these are books that could be read. They're not bad books, but they must not be used as a foundation of doctrine in the church. And this is one of the things you also need to learn about the apocryphal books. When people say some books were removed, like, why does it matter so much? Because you can read them. To be honest, read, like, there's no problem. Go and read it. Some of, it, some of us think those apocryphal books contain spells. <laughs> now when you just open it and start reading it, you know, you just open it, you just hear Espeliamos. <laughs> what is Espeliamos? It's tongues. I promise you, it's tongues. It's tongues. Tongues. The interpretation is um amen well <laughs> you can read them actually there's no the, the books are not necessarily bad books and this is also one of the things that now makes you understand that if the books are not bad books and for whatever reason they were not accepted into the canon it's not like the church had the dignity to preserve do you understand like it caused the church nothing to add them are we together guys like they they are not although some of them had some things that were contradictory or conflicting Alright, but not all of them. Some of them were okay books, like books you can actually read and it's fine. Do you understand me? So you you, you then begin to ask the question if the church had something to hide, or there was there was a, a point that the church was trying to prove, why not just like you it costs you nothing to just add them, and that's the end of the whole controversy. Are we together, guys? So for the church not to have added those books, it means there is something is not it's not just about a book being good or bad or a book supporting us. Even if the book supports the claim of the church, are we together? But doesn't uh, doesn't agree with the authority inherent within other scriptures, they wouldn't take it. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So those are those are good foundations to lay about the apocrypha. So when people say apocrypha books, don't be scared and say, ah, they've gotten the weak, the weakness of our faith. No, they've not. Just ask them, have you read it before? Okay, 
if we if I gave you the apocrypha to read now and you see that there's no problem with it, what will you now do? Will you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? So that's it. Okay? So let's move on um into it. So when we talk about Bible canonization, I'm going to talk about it. We're going to divide it into two the Old Testament canon, the Old Testament canon, and then the New Testament canon. Alright. First and foremost, the first thing you must know about the old and I'm going to you, you're going to see why. The first thing you must understand about the Old Testament canon is that the Roman Catholic Church has twelve more books. Twelve more books um compared to the Protestant canon. Alright. The Roman Catholic canon has twelve more books. Um I don't want to run through the books, but you just you have Tobit, Judith, Additions of Esther, Wisdom of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, First and Second Maccabees, the Prayer of Manasseh, you know. Um and then you the Greek Orthodox Church actually have a bit more than that actually actually have a bit more than 12 but that's by the way now let's begin to look at how to scrutinize these things now the first thing you must realize is the jews believed that the ministry of prophets in israel ceased with zechariah are we together or better still as we know it's malachi i think I, I must also add that when you look at the old testament scripture as we know it today the old testament books or writings i need you to know that that was not their initial arrangement the way they are arranged right now was not their initial arrangement. For example, you can check this historically. The book of Job, if arranged according to historical timing, would have been written around Genesis. Are we together, guys? Are we, this is this is not a, it's not a special information. Just go on Google and search. Do you understand? There's no special this thing there. All right, but so they were not. So the books of the Bible were not arranged according to times. For example, folks folks in my discipleship class you know recently we've been reading the books of chronicles and kings and you will realize that they are literally repetitions do you understand so they are not separate things so some of them for example genesis exodus leviticus deuteronomy exodus and deuteronomy are not two different accounts deuteronomy is literally recounting what happened in exodus are we together and then giving more explanation of the laws do do you get me so so it's not like the, the way the books are is the way they were written no okay that's not the way they were written, alright? Um, you just have, over time, alright, some of the books were rearranged. In fact, initially, some of the books were, for example, First and Second Kings was just called Kings. First and Second Chronicles was just called Chronicles. Ezra and Nehemiah was put together. Are we together? But then, it was just over time, alright, as the Bible was interpreted, or as the canon was interpreted over time, and those things were then separated. So, those things, but the, so, why, why I said all of that was, was just to let you see that. So we think, according to our own canon, or according to the way the arrangements we currently have, Malachi is the last prophet. Are we together? But historically, it was Zechariah. Are we together, guys? Now let me show you something, just for you to um, um, understand. Look at Luke 11, Luke 11, 40, 47 to 51. Luke chapter 11, from verse 47 to 51. Now I know that this topic can be very boring, but I need you to pay attention, because it will really, really help you. Luke 11, from verse 47 to 51. All right. So he says, "Who unto you for you?" So this was Jesus speaking. He says, "Who unto you for you built the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them?" He says, "Truly, you bear witness that you allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their sepulchres or you build their graves." He says, "Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some and some of them they shall slay and persecute." He says that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required from this generation, from the blood of Abel. Let me show you guys something. It says the blood of the prophets that they shed will be required. 
And who is the first prophet he mentions? Was Abel a prophet? Forget this Luke 11. Was Abel a prophet? Did Abel say anything? Did he say anything? Do you realize that we don't have any of Abel's sentences recorded in scripture? Never one. But he did do something. Was what he did recounted as the gospel? So, did he, so was the prophecy what he said or what he did? So, does this now change your idea of Old Testament prophecies? Are we together? So, when you say that the prophets prophesied in the old, so this now begins, so when you hear prophets, don't let your mind only go to like the likes of Isaiah, Zechariah, Jeremiah, so on and so forth. Are we together? Sometimes, the prophecies was in what they did. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? Are we together? Now, very soon, when we get... Ah, that, that would help your understanding. When you now read, when you listen to the sermon, or, or to what I thought in Lagos, where I spoke about Luke 24, verse 27, where I tried to explain how that, not everything in the Old Testament is a prophecy. Are we together? So when he says, believe the Old Testament, you can't, for example, you don't believe the laws. You obey them. Are we together? So, there is a context to what you are expected to believe. Are we together? And so the prophecies now is not just what they said, it's also what they did. Remember that the prophecies were given because the Holy Ghost inspired them. So, could we say it was the Spirit that inspired Abel to do what he did? Are we together? Because, think about it, that must have been the reason why he offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It was never about the amount. Are we together? It was never, you know, because a book of Bible stories will tell you that, you know, that um, Cain just brought, you know, bad crop, rotten crops, and then, well, you know, um, Abel brought thick meat. Cow. Are we together? You brought brocotto. And then, you know, by the time God smelt it, say, ah, oh, I don't, you know, I say, ah, your sacrifice is accepted. No. Are we together? In fact, let me say something. How did Abel and Cain know that their sacrifices were accepted? Can you now see why it's by faith? Ah, study ship. <laughs> how did they? How did? Because you need to pay attention. They just. This is all he said. He said, Abel offered sacrifice. Cain offered sacrifice. Abel's own was accepted. Cain, Cain's own was not. How? Is it that the smoke went to the sky? If you say that, I would say the prophets of Baal too, when they used to kill animals and burn it, smoke also goes to the sky. So is it that when the smoke goes to the sky, God sniffs it. Ah. <laughs> so the, the meat thick. Is that it? Or could it have... Think about it. I don't want to say... <laughs> I don't, we're, going to, we're going to do a little talk around faith and the old covenant. Very soon. Amen. But then, as I was saying, <laughs> so he says from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias which perished between the altar and the temple so even Jesus who was a Jew actually acknowledged you know the prophets of old are we together from Abel down all the way to to Zacharias are we together guys are we together guys okay so now why did I say that? I said all that so that you know that so according to the Jews the Jews believed that the ministry of prophets to Israel actually ceased so let me say ended it ceased after Zechariah and there was so, so there was such a thing known as the 400 silent years now if you open your bible you notice that there's one white page between the old testament and new testament are we together what the writers or translators are trying to portray to you is that during this time god said nothing are we together 
Are you with me? And this was the reason why it was very. It was that's was, that's why by the time John the Baptist arose, everybody listened to him. Think about it. How come John the Baptist rose up, and he didn't have a single miracle, but everybody listened to him? It was because in those days prophecies were scarce. Do you understand? God wasn't speaking anymore. So the moment they saw a minister of the gospel that arose, eh? Do you understand? They listened. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So those were the foreigners. Now, why why does that bear important significance? It bears important significance because one of the rules, one of the things that determines the Old Testament canon, therefore, is that the canon was closed by the time of Zechariah. So they, they believed that there was no longer any prophets that existed, you know, after that time. After that time. And so it's important to see, therefore, that the Old Testament apocryphal books oftentimes were written from around the 4th century BC, meaning after the Jews believed that the canon of the Old Testament was closed. Are we together? So the Jews believed that the last prophet was Zechariah. Are we together, guys? But all of the apocryphal books that we see of the Old Testament were written later than that. All of them were written between 300 BC and 100 AD. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? Alright? So that was one of the reasons why the book was faulted. And so, I think it's important to note that the Old Testament that we know today, what we call the Old Testament, I hope you realize that that's the Jews' Bible. Amen? Like, what we call the Old Testament, folks who practice Judaism still hold on to it as their Bible. Are we together, guys? And so I think it's very important that even the Jews who owns the canon, don't, uh, they don't agree with the Apocrypha. Like the people that own it, gongo. I hope you know that we, we, are, we are using it from them. Uh, uh, do you understand my point? It's really not our own. It's their own. It's the, the laws were for the Jews. Are we together, guys? Are you with me? The Old Testament prophets, the prophecies were primarily for the Jews. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And so the Jews which was written for, in fact, don't accept the Apocrypha. Amen? Amen? And so the question now begins to come, but then how come do we have the Apocrypha books? Now, is, 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 let me just explain, you know, some things that happen. Now, because of, largely, largely because of the fact that, number one, you know, the nation of Israel was colonized heavily. For example, you talk about when you see how they were colonized, first of all, the Babylonian Empire, are we together? Then the Pishomidian Empire, when, of course, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, there we wept, where we remembered Zion. This, that song was sung by folks who were on their way to Babylon. And so the people, their slave masters were asking them to sing songs from Zion. And so they were saying, how can we sing the songs that were of adoration to God in a strange land to entertain you? Do you understand? So that's just so the Israelites, for example, in Babylon, you see that they were exiled into Babylon. Are we together? After then, we had the Pisomidian Empire that took over and also colonized them. It's just like the way we had the British colonized Nigeria. Are we together, guys? And notice that because the British colonized Nigeria, our language today is what? English. Our original language is, of course, not English. We have Yoruba, we have Igbo, we have Awusa. Are we together, guys? At least major, major ethnic groups. Does that make sense, guys? But then, because of their colonization over us, our language now changes to what? So, this is the reason why you might have heard before that you hear that the that Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, spoke Aramaic. He spoke Aramaic not, it's not just because of one special thing, it's because the Babylonian Empire, alright, were under the Arameans. They were that by the king of Aram. 
are we together it was called the babylonian empire so the language the arameans spoke was aramaic do you understand me and so because they were colonized they also spoke that language because you need to understand the way exile worked in those days the way exile works is first of all they kill all the able-bodied men so there's problem with reproduction into the next generation are we together so they kill first of all all the able-bodied men who can fight in wars the only people that are left sometimes are children some other times they kill the children are we together now sometimes they leave sometimes they leave the children then most of the women too they kill them the ones that they feel are pretty and they want to marry off i'm sorry it sounds patriarchic it sounds patriarchal but that's how they did it then and then they will take the women all right some of the women and then they will take them so first of all the the men that could reproduce the next generation are gone are we together? The little children are the only ones that are left. Those ones just started learning language. Now you carry those kind of people into a new country for 70 years. What language do you think they'll be speaking? That new country's language. Do you understand? The women that they brought that would have known the language. Now, they marry, they marry them off to the different men in Aram. Of course, when you, who as a woman in a patriarchal society, come into your new husband's household, which language do you speak? It's language now. You dare not teach the children the language of the Israelites. Do you understand? Are you with me? So that was the reason why generally the Hebrew tongue became scarce. Are you with me? It became scarce. I'm going to speak Aramaic. In fact, when you study scripture, and I, I hope we have time to do this some other time, you realize that one of the things that Ezra did when they came back from exile was Ezra had to translate to them. Are we together? So by the time they found the books of the law, it was in Hebrew. Are you with me? So they found the books of the Lord, it was in Hebrew. And now, because their language had been changed to Aramaic, the Aramaic tongue, Ezra now had to do a lot of translation from Hebrew to Aramaic for them to understand. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Now, that being said, so the four empires that actually reigned over Israel, you had the Pedomitian Empire, so you had the Babylonian Empire, you had the Pedomitian um, Empire, that was um, Persia, Persia, you had the Pedomitian Empire, you had the Greek Empire, that was Greece, Alright, and then the last was now the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire were the ones that were reigning when Jesus was born. Are we together? And that's why you would always hear a lot of things about Julius Caesar, are we together, Pilate, so on and so forth. It's just like the way, you know, in those days they had consulates. You know, when for example um Nigeria was under the British coloni- colonization, they would have consulates, for example, in the West. You know, so they had like first of all they would have like for example Lord Lugard who is like in charge of the entirety of the nation are we together then they will now have like consulates like governors that are sent by the British in different places does that make sense guys are we together all right so that's that so now because of that they had to translate the Hebrew canon to Greek called the Septuagint now some of you must have heard about Septuagint before Septuagint is just a Greek version of the Hebrew canon because now of course their language have changed are we together guys because their language has changed now it needs to be translated and so it was translated by the alexandrian jews that's another discussion for another day it was translated by jews in alexander in egypt they translated it to greek called the Septuagint, or you could see it in some places it's called the lxx all right the Septuagint. now the now here is why it got interesting the alexandrian jews when they translated to Septuagint, were the ones who now added those apocryphal books so in the hebrew canon originally in fact it's so easy to teach canonicity of the old testament because the fact that the people it was written to who were the jews till today don't accept it so it was when those guys converted it to the greek that you actually have the apocryphal books added in other words one of another reason why some of these apocryphal books were also not accepted was because they were written initially in greek which was also a problem are you with me because for you to have been written in greek it means it was added it was written later on 
every book that was that was written early or earlier was written in hebrew does that make sense guys are you with me or maybe towards the end aramaic because now the Israelites had gone to babylon and had come back do you get me so towards the tail end of the prophets you'd have had some aramaic written but they could not have written in greek does that make sense guys are you with me so those, so those are two things that you can use to fault what people call the apocryphal books of the old testament number one the kind of language they were written in some of them were written in greek which doesn't align number two the timeline they were written they were written between 300 bc to 100 a.d whereas the canon of the old testament was closed with zachariah does that make sense guys are we together all right very good now having said that with the septuagint now it's also worthy of notes that so since there was the, the saints jerome i spoke to you guys about who explained the meaning of the apocryphal words now he was the first person to convert he was the first person to convert the old testament hebrew into the latin vulgate now you must have heard of the latin some of you do must have heard of the latin vulgate latin vulgate was just a particular let me put it like this dialect of latin are we together it was a particular dialect of latin all right and it was the one who all these things have an importance it was the one who converted the bible from hebrew or the old testament canon from hebrew to latin vulgate now this is where it gets interesting the first time jerome converted it he didn't add the apocrypha he didn't it was not until when he was pressured by the roman catholic church and that was because of some certain doctrines that were present in it that he now added it so jerome on his own initially did not he sub he succumbed to pressure by the church the then roman catholic church to add it are we together so the original latin vulgate was not it was not it, the original latin vulgate did not have those old testament apocrypha it was when he was pressured to add it later on that then he added the book and this is the reason when you now see so it, Jerome did that, that conversion to Latin Vulgate involving the Old Testament Apocrypha. It happened around the 16th century AD. 15th to 16th century AD. That was the reason by the time the 1611 King James Version came out, it had the Apocrypha. Because the 1611 Version of King James was directly translated from the Latin Vulgate. Are we together? Are we together, guys? I know it's a lot of history. <laughs> Please, I just want to let you see why there are some... If you check the 1611 King James Version, you see the Apocrypha there. But you won't see it in the other King James. Why? Because the 1611 King James Version is a direct translation to English from the Latin Vulgate. Are we together, guys? Now, you must have also heard of... We'll talk about that in the New Testament canon. Okay? So, okay, I think I can talk about it here. Now, you must have heard about the Protestant Reformation that was led by Martin Luther King. By Martin Luther, right? The Protestant Reformation. Now, what was the Protestant Reformation built upon? It was built upon the fact that Martin Luther believed that there were certain practices that were being practiced by the church. You know, like for example, the baptism of the dead, you know, um, the idea of penance, the idea of the purgatory, all right, those things that were being practiced in the church that he believed were not were not proper. Are we together? He believed they were not proper. And so the Protestant Reformation started, and what was it built upon? It was built upon the fact that they wanted the Bible to be translated directly from the Hebrew Greek not from latin vulgates because if you are to translate from the hebrew greek directly you will not add the apocrypha are we together remember that it was because the um roman catholic church put a lot of pressure on saint jerome 
that was why he added it to the latin vulgate and that was the reason why it was directly translated to the 1611 king james version but now if you have to translate directly from the hebrew remember that in the hebrew canon you don't have the old testament apocrypha are you are we together guys so if you are supposed to translate from there directly you will not have those apocryphal books added do you understand me so that was the protestant information that so that's the reason why you will now notice that through that protestant reformation all right we now had new um we had a new translation of the bible which was directly from the old testament hebrew and greek directly no sorry old testament hebrew new testament greek but it was directly from there and that's where you now have the king james version we have today so that's why you have a 1611 king james version which has um the, which has the apocryphal and you have other king james which do not have the apocryphal are we together now in fact the way they even did it initially was they separated so they, they did the old testament they separated the apocrypha then they now had the new testament because based on timeline all the apocryphal books came between that 400 years of silence was when they came so initially it was separated but then at some point they just did away with it all right and began to stick with the old testament apocrypha i'm sorry with the old testament scriptures all i just want to say all together is this is that the most important thing about the old testament about the old testament canon is that the jews to whom it was written till date don't allow the old testament apocrypha to be added to their canon are we together are we together guys so if you want to so now remember what i said about intrinsic intrinsic authority so when we see a list of books for example we don't just say oh this is the book i like this is the book i like this is the book i like and when we pick it no we say when was the book written are we together for you to have been written by this time oh it could not have been written by an old testament prophet for that reason it can be a part does that make sense guys number two what language is he written in he's written in the greek that's a red flag all our books are written in the hebrew and the aramaic where did this one come from do you understand my point so that timeline is a major thing and then language is a major thing all right so so what makes a book carry authority now is first of all what language is it written what timeline was it written do you understand it's also important to note jesus never quoted from the apocrypha and history bears witness that jesus would have used the septuagint in his day so in jesus's day they largely had the septuagint to use and even though and so if they had the septuagint remember what i said before that the septuagint had the apocryphal in them so jesus would have had the apocrypha but he never quoted once from it despite how much he quoted from the old testament so that already gives you a lot of understanding are we together guys so they could not have used those books does that make sense guys are we together very good so that's all about the old testament canon okay so that's it you don't need to so the new testament canon is where there is a lot of stuff to talk about there's a whole lot of stuff so let me just give some background information about the new testament canon you see the church in the in the new testament now this particular when you talk about the whole period of new testament canonization what must come to your mind should be the first four centuries of the church that's the first century to the fourth century and i hope you know that fourth century is not year 400 and something but year 300 and something for example this is the 21st century so this is 2022 do you understand so the 22nd so we we are in the 21st century by by the time it's 2100 and something if there is that it will be the 22nd century does that make sense guys all right so when we talk about bible canonization is between the first to the fourth century which is from 0 ad to like 399 ad does that make sense guys does that make sense 
I know that this is boring. <laughs> the rest of you are even looking already, safe. I know it's boring, but just pay attention. Alright? So, you need to have some background information about the church during this period. Number one, the church was heavily persecuted. Heavily, 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 heavily persecuted. In fact, it was so bad that in those days, it was a sin or a crime to be identified with the church. It was a crime to be identified with the gospel. It was a crime even to own a copy of the Bible. Are we together? so the church actually did not have during that period the church did not have the luxury of time to be sitting down and be saying this is the book we want this is the book we don't want they were busy running for their lives are we together everybody was doing that's the reason the apostles did not have a place to stay they were jumping from one place to the other that's the reason all of the apostles were killed do you understand the church was in heavy persecution and when you talk about people that made the gospel go through hard times people like emperor nero around 63 ad terrible terrible men would saw believers into two like this with this alive they would saw them into two in those days so but sometimes they would give them over to animals to be eaten terrible terrible persecution in those days and so from you need to have that mindset first of all so the church did not have the luxury of okay let's sit down let's determine which book we want which book we don't want you know you can only sit down like to have a meeting like that when everybody has eaten well and people are okay Everybody was running for their dear lives. That's my one. Number two is that because the church actually started among Jews, are we together, guys? Don't forget, it started in Jerusalem. They had a very heavy rabbinic culture. Rabbinic. The word rabbinic is from the Greek word. Is from sorry, it's from the word rabbi. All right. And what it means to be a rabbi is to be a teacher. Now let me just explain what I mean by rabbinic culture. They had a very strong culture of memorizing. Alright, of regional memorizing. In fact, it's one of the reasons why, till today, for folks who know, of course, you know that the gospel or the entire um the entire Christian how do I say it now? Christianity emanated from the Middle East. Israel, are we together? Israel, when you talk of Israel, you talk of present day Iran, Iraq, Palestine, and so on and so forth. Do you know that's where the gospel actually came out from? Do you know that? Are we together, guys? Which I try to use that to explain how that. If you talk about the propagation of the gospel on the earth, it's nothing natural. It has to be supernatural. Because if you're supposed to talk about a kind of revolution that can sweep the entire world, it won't start from a place like the Middle East. Up to date, the Middle East are not among the respected in the world. Are you with me? And it has always been that way since. When you're talk talking about people who were respected, you're talking about the Roman Empire. Are you with me? You're talking about... Um, Europe. Do you understand? So on and so forth. So it's just like when you say, it's just like saying that you go to from Africa. It doesn't make any sense. Because they were not among the elites of those days. So if you want to start a revolution, do you understand? Something that can really move the earth. You start from a place where it is strong. Does that make sense, guys? Are you with me? So for the fact that the gospel could start from a place like the Middle East, where nobody esteemed, and it spread around about the world, is supernatural. It's nothing that, it's if it was based on human intelligence and you want to strategize, you would never start from the Middle East. Never. Are we together, guys? Are we together? But then what I was even saying is the fact that just like Christianity, Islam as well also, you know, comes from that particular culture. And you, you, you would agree with me that one of the things that Islam has heavily or is heavily reliant upon is the whole idea of reading and memorizing. And that's why a lot of times when you pass by the um, mosque, you hear the, um, the, chil- um, the children basically reading out the Quran, you know, reciting and reciting and reciting. Are we together? Just so that they could do what? So that they could have it in their head. So they had a very... 
their culture was heavily rabbinic meaning when you come to church the idea of church then was you come to church and then the, the scriptures are read to you for example if you remember in Luke 4 when Jesus Christ got down from the temple well, sorry, when he got down from the mount in Luke 4 and he came into the synagogue what does he say what, what did he say he, did? he says that he opened up this thing and read aloud to them are we together so the way they used to worship in the synagogue those days is not the way we have it today that you come with your Bible and pen no they would just go to the synagogues all right they would go to the synagogues and then they would go to hear what is read so they would sit down and it would be read to them again and again and again and so that constant reading was what formed their memory so so in those days it wasn't hard to come across just like to, in today's I, I think i said, said this in lagos that the whole idea of the wolimo that people that the islams do is that the young ones can recite the entire quran by heart do you realize that's what they do like he can so imagine that book he can recite the entire thing by heart what i let you know is now imagine in those days when that was the culture do you understand so it wasn't a new thing for them to know the entire in fact there's something called the oral torah the oral torah there's so much to talk about the oral torah the oral torah is actually where the written torah was gotten from after the destruction of the temple in 70 ad and you know alongside the destruction of the temple they destroyed all of the things that were present in the temple as well the scrolls do you understand um the the um ten commandments that were that was inside the ark of the covenant they destroyed everything the book of the law that was beside the ark of covenant they destroyed everything and so by the time the book of the law was going to be rewritten it was actually written alongside the oral torah what's the oral torah people memorized all of the books of moses the entire law because think about it have you ever wondered how is it possible that a man will fulfill the law you can't fulfill the law if you don't know it of course they could not really fulfill it but you cannot even obey it if you don't know the law do you understand my point so that means they must have known the entire thing for them to even be able to know oh i have sinned do you understand for them to even be able in the first place to say oh i've sinned though that means they must have known everything and known when they were wrong so imagine that somebody knew that genesis to deuteronomy that you are seeing somebody knew everything by heart that was so it was their culture it was the way they were do you understand me so that was the reason why in those now for a culture like that you you never really see the reason to have a bible so so that's why the bible didn't come naturally to them do you know, the bible actually came because of something I, i'm going to get there but, but because of the way their culture was they were used to reading you know reading and hearing reading and hearing reading and hearing so the idea of writing wasn't necessary do you understand because they were always you know reading and hearing writing came about because if you pay attention the letters of the epistles became written or oh, sorry epistles were now be, um, started to be written when there was persecution and people now began to fly to different places for example paul in fact come on let me show you something look at james look at the book of james look at the book of james let me show you something <laughs> look at james from verse one he says james is servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the what to the what which are scattered abroad greeting so the reason letters were written was because people were now far away do you understand their culture normally was a rabbinic culture they didn't need to write but now because as a reason of um persecution in the church right strong persecution against the church everybody was now scattered everywhere so now people now, now needed to start writing letters do you understand so that's why paul for example would write letters to the corinthians to the thessalonians for example to the philippians he was in prison do you understand so the only way he could write it to them now think about this if paul was in prison because of the gospel do you really think 
the letters would have been written like post mail or they were smuggled they were smuggled because this letter is the same reason you are even in prison do you now do you have an idea so the christian church in those days wasn't it's not the way we have it today it's not the old nice skinny in those days the christian church you are under siege do you get you can't say it in public that i'm a christian people were being killed anyhow people were, that was how crazy it was and so so that was your idea of writing in the first place so people began to write because i mean if i'm going to die for something it better be true do you understand look at me if i'm going to write for write something if i'm sorry if i'm going to believe or die for something you are better make sure that what i'm dying for is true so the apostles began to see reasons to do what to write letters that's number one number two most of the eyewitnesses in jesus's day were getting were dying either by persecution either because they grew in fact most of it by persecution actually all, all of the apostles were martyred including john the beloved who was martyred last are we together initially he was thrown in a um, pot of red oil um, of boiling oil I say red oil i feel like eating fried stew <laughs> you know so he was thrown in hot oil and he was supernaturally delivered then that was when he was exiled to the island of patmos where he received the revelations i hope you realize that he was later martyred he didn't die a peaceful death he was after that time so it was almost like the reason he was kept was because of the book of revelations after that time he was killed every single apostle was martyred every single one in fact the first person that was martyred was a deacon so if deacon is dying how much more do you understand so it was i want to say that's a national kick but no. <laughs> all right so um wh- where am i driving towards i was just trying to explain how that so now people are dying so if i'm going to die also as well I need to be sure that I'm dying for is just like is true. Number one, number two, eyewitnesses are dying. Eyewitnesses who used to be the ones to recount everything to us. Do you understand? Rabbinic culture. So the eyewitnesses will just be recounting to us, you know, t- preaching to us, teaching us, preaching to us, teaching us. But now they are dying away. If they are dying away, we need to have things we can hold on to, so that even when they are gone, do you understand? We will have stuff to hold. So can you see the reason? Because sometimes you, can, you might almost want to ask the question: When Christianity came, why didn't they just start the idea of the Bible? Do you understand like from the beginning once they began to write they would just be adding the books adding the books because they never really used to have books then do you understand it wasn't a normal thing to have books it wasn't it came about because of certain things i hope you also realize that when the letters were written the different letters and the different accounts in the bible they were never written for it to be compounded together into a bible this is also one of the reasons why and it's one of the things that bears allegiance to the validity of the four gospels that people wrote accounts four different accounts of the same event at different times in different places not knowing that those accounts will be compared together and at the end of the day there was accuracy it had to be valid do you understand it's like for example you ask me you ask theophilus about this bible conference and well because he like because he wants to lie he now says oh it wasn't nice it wasn't cool he didn't teach so well because of course he was lying then <laughs> you know but then like we actually ask two people how was this thing? now they don't know that at the end of the day we are going to compare their reports but both of them were there and then she says ah oh it was so nice you know because it was nice I mean, it's nice yeah, fine nice so say oh it was nice you know he thought this he thought that you know, so on and so forth now he, now of course because they are humans they cannot give the exact same thing do you understand but think about this too that these people did not have any book to use as referencing and from their memory matthew luke could write from luke 1 to luke 24. matthew could write from matthew 1 to matthew 28 from their memory can you see how serious the rabbinic culture was so they had a very sharp memory 
very very do you understand but at the end of the day too you're, you're only human there's a limit to what you can know do you understand me so that's the reason why for for major occurrences they'll be the same but for some minute details they will now be different do you understand my point so, uh, so some people now want to start arguing this thing you say in this place it says there were two um thieves and in the other place it just says they were thieves so because of that there is an argument you don't understand <laughs> Sorry, this thing just came out. It came out as well trans. I'm very sorry. <laughs> you know, when we are we are discussing this thing, error. You need to understand what error is. Are we together? Error would be that the major things that matter are, are, are this even till today, when you recount experiences that just happened maybe last year, you are not accurate. Let me tell you this. If the four gospels were exactly the same thing, eh, we shouldn't believe them. Because what that means is that they were photocopied. Do you understand? For the fact that they were varying in specific in some details, but at the end of the day, chiefly, they aligned together. Is reason to believe them because that means of a truth they were written by men's accounts. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? But most of all, when you think about the fact that the people who wrote the four gospels never knew that these books would be brought together. So, if, imagine if Matthew feeling that oh, I'm the only person that's going to write a gospel, just added lies, padded it here and there, you understand? Padded it anyhow we wanted it, and look too. You know, as far I could not know any other person that's writing. Into added the zone, added the zone. Then John added the zone. By the time we bring it together, you know, it's problem, catastrophe. Do you understand? But for the fact that these people wrote at different times, and by the time we bring it together, we're like, wow, of a truth, they must have been saying the, tr- the, the right thing. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Very good. So let's talk about the New Testament canon. Oh Lord, what I just said was background. Was background upon which. You know, the to give you a context into how the church was. Do you understand my point? So now let's now talk about the background or basically what what are the authority upon which those New Testament canon books that they stand and by which we can separate other books. Number one, the authority of the apostles. The authority of the apostles. Now you need to understand that in those days, you need to understand how loud the church was on doctrine. You don't lay a doctrinal foundation in those days without being a doctrinal or a foundational apostle. This was the reason why in Acts 1, when Judas Iscariot was to be replaced by Matthias, what was the, um, this thing they gave, the criteria? They said he must have been present with us from the baptism of John. Are we together? Up till what? The death and the resurrection. Up to when Jesus was ascended to heaven. Meaning the person must have been an eyewitness. Are we together, guys? This was also, I said this in Lagos, this was also one of the reasons why Paul's um, ministry was heavily deba- debated in the church because based on human understanding or human standards paul never met jesus in the flesh i hope you know that paul never met jesus in the flesh and so that was why to a very large extent his ministry was debated because you're not an eyewitness and this also now explains why paul had to reference his vision a lot he wanted them to know i also saw jesus although not in the flesh but he appeared to me do you understand me? So, that gives him also a sense of authority. Do you understand my point? That's the reason. Imagine 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 8. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 8. I'm sorry I'm rushing through like this. It's because this is not exactly doctrinal. It's more of history and just explaining stuff. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 8. Now, Paul was just recounting the gospel from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, look at what he says. He says, um, I declare unto you, uh, brethren, the gospel which I received, um, which also you have received and where, wherein you stand, and which also you are saved, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was, buried, he was buried and he rose again the third year according to the scriptures. Then next up, he says, he was seen of Cephas, are we together? Then of the apostles, then of the 500 of whom the greater past are falling asleep, meaning they are dead. Now look at what it says in verse 8. He says, last of all. Now, 
before now all of the people paul had been referencing actually saw jesus in the flesh are we together guys eyewitness physical eyewitness encounter now he speaks of himself in verse 8 he now says last of all he was seen of me as of one born out of due time first of all we've been talking about physical eyewitness paul why are you putting yourself here are you with me paul why are you referencing yourself you didn't meet jesus in the flesh why it was important for them to know that he also met jesus are you with me so even though it was not a physical eyewitness it was a spirit eyewitness because it was important to them that this man saw jesus if not he would not be able to lay the foundation of doctrine in the church this was why i said this in lagos in acts 15 even after notice in acts 10 look at this acts 10 peter goes to cornelius's house a gentile to preach to him he is saved filled with the holy ghost when he comes back to jerusalem they question him after he told them about his vision they listen to him no problem are we together paul on the other hand now peter only preached to one person cornelius and then maybe his family members paul went to the gentile nations entered gentile nations got people saved in their numbers got people filled the holy ghost in their numbers did mighty miracles came back to the church in jerusalem they still questioned him do you realize in acts 15 that they did not answer him until peter rose up go there let's go there go look at acts 15 acts 15 <clears throat> glory to jesus hallelujah praise god acts chapter 15 Whew. look at acts 15 and verse verse 7 so before now Paul had already been telling them of the great and mighty things that they did in the land of the Gentiles. People were saved. In fact, do you realize that it was before this time, it was in Acts 14, that Paul got a man that was impotent in his feet healed. And they said, and the people of the nation said, the gods have come to us as men. That they were calling Paul Mercurius. And they were calling um, this thing, um, Barnabas, Jupiter. Do you understand? Meaning Hermes and I forgot the other person. And they even wanted to sacrifice for them. Which, by the way, just immediately after... They were the same place. That was the same place where Paul was stoned and almost taken for dead. Which lets you know how fickle human beings can be. This period, right now, ah, sir, you are the best in the world. There is nobody that can teach like you. See, after you, sir, is you. Before you is the Holy Ghost. You are the only one. You are the Alpha and Omega, the High Priest. So on and so forth. The next minute, are you the only one that God is using? So if if you tie your effectiveness to ministry on men, you will kill yourself. Amen. People are fickle. Told you guys the story before. Um, Kini, Saul that has been killing for you for years. So, if do you realize that when Saul actually started to, um, when before Saul became the king of Israel, what proved Saul's ministry was that there was a nation that stood against Israel, and every other person was scared. And Saul stood up and said, you know, if I, he, he told them, he said, if you don't follow me to war, this and this and this is what I'm going to do for you when I'm back. So they followed him out of fear, and so so it wasn't. David wasn't doing something Paul had not done before. Saul had not done before. Do you understand? He also stood up when everybody was scared. And then went. And of course, and Saul had been winning victories for them again and again and again. Now, this one time, a boy you've never seen before shows up out of the blues. He was not even in your army. He kills just one person. He's like, hey, David has killed 10,000. Saul was only killing 1,000. Ah, 10,000. Okay. Do you know, David only had, had only killed one person. Do you know? He only killed Goliath. Say, hey, he has killed 10,000. No, Saul, he only killed 1,000. The Saul that has been killing for you since. So, can you see? People will put you in that problem. So, the, 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 and, and this is why I always say, oftentimes, when you see strife between ministers of the gospel or between men of God, oftentimes it's not because of them. 
It's because of the people they follow. Okay, it's because of people that are following them. Are we together? As long as, as a minister of the gospel, you need to be very careful of people's praises. I, I, I take compliments, and I, I mean, when people say, oh, I was so blessed, you know, thank you very much, you know, and so on and so forth. But I will not let you use your compliments to put me in that problem. You say, ah, um, in fact, the way you talk, I've never heard my pastor talk like that before. Mark Pomizin Wala. Your pastor has been teaching for how many years? Me, I just thought, can you see? David has killed 10,000. Your pastor has been laboring over you. He shall rule, he shall son, he shall rule. Do all the videos for you. Your pastor can no longer teach. It's now me that you just met in less than six hours. That I know what your pastor doesn't know. Allah Kubani. Ah, you have, you cause problem for me. You know so that's the reason you need to learn because at the end of the day, oftentimes it's your followers that turn people against you. It's not even you. It's not you. You get so you need to learn how to take compliments. Just, thank you very much. Just, uh, thank you. What there are some things that there are some kind of compliments that if you give me, I will turn it back on you. You tell me, ah, you, you even preach better than my pastor. Don't talk like that. My pastor has been laboring over you for years. Say you teach better. That's rubbish. Why why do you even have to esteem me that way? Why do I have to be compared to your pastor for you to compliment me? Just you cannot say I was blessed. That was a wonderful teaching. No need to say ah. In fact, when you were teaching, I didn't even feel like I missed my pastor. What's the meaning of that rubbish? I mean, if it's a type of dressing now, I would understand. I mean, your pastor could never. It's, uh, sorry, <laughs> but then you get my point, really. Okay, so but let's continue. Look at Acts fifteen and verse seven. He says, "And when they had been much disputing, so Paul had been talking. He said disputing. He says." Peter rose up. Hey God. He says, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how a good how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he done to us. He says, And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts in faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which in our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Look at verse 12. Then all the multitude did what? Kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Saul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Question. Is this not the same thing Paul and Barnabas have been saying since? But why did they listen now? Because Peter was a foundational apostle. Can you see? So, eyewitness to them was a very major thing. Do you understand? That was why, look at Peter 2, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. When, when Peter said, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. When we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus, he says we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Meaning, when we tell you these things, we're not telling you stuff that we've not seen. We saw it. Do you understand? It was, it was something to brag about. John, for example, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, the things which you have heard from the beginning, which our eyes have seen, which our ears have heard, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And people have said that that has different depths of revelation. So there's a depth of seeing. There's a depth of perceiving. There's a depth of handling with your hand. No. He was just saying that this Jesus we are speaking of, our eyes have seen him. Are we together? Our ears, we heard him when he was speaking. Our hands have touched him. Of course, they were with him now. Do you understand? They would have held him at some point or the other. Do you understand me? So it's not depth of revelation. It's just the fact that we were eyewitnesses. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? And this was also the reason why what, what Peter did in 2 Peter 3 verse 15. Please go there. What Peter did in that place was very, very important. 2 Peter 3 and verse 15. He says, he says an account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him has written unto you so what Peter is doing here is him validating Paul's apostolic ministry 
are we together he's, in other words he's trying to say see those things that paul is writing they are letters of truth do you understand of a truth you can receive them are, are you together do you understand my point so he was validating paul's ministry and this was important why because naturally paul's ministry was not exactly received because he did not see jesus in the flesh do you understand me so this was the reason why a lot of times he would have to reference his visions second corinthians 12 for example he says now i'll come to visions and revelations of the lord you would notice when he spoke about visions and revelations in second corinthians 11 to 12 sorry i can't go there because of time you would notice he was reluctant to speak about it he says if i do what he said he said i speak as a fool he didn't want to say it but he knew that he needed to say it because of their hearts do you understand that kind of thing it's just like for example when i mean it happens a lot of times when you go to minister in a new place there's a reason why a lot of times you find your, a pastor trying to give testimonies or talk about testimonies it's not because he wants to show you it's because he wants to let you guys know that this thing i'm going to teach you i've seen it happen before do you understand are you with me so it's not i mean i go to a few, few times when i go to minister i go to places where i see the need to talk about it because normally when you look at me i have kind of a small stature so you might also can see ah what does this one come and do here do you understand? so a lot of times you want to start off by preparing their hearts and maybe do one or two flu maybe just be like two or three words of knowledge they're like ah. realize this guy's already seen then you now move on okay so that was like what paul was doing that see normally i wouldn't do this in fact from the way he even spoke about that second Corinthians 12 you won't have known he was speaking about himself until you read in context he says i knew a man he says whether in the flesh or out of the flesh i don't know the same was caught up in the third heavens now look at what he says he says he says whom when he was caught up he said he had things which no man can utter that's how you know it was him because if the person had things that no man can utter how did you know can you see can you see it now but why did he have to speak of his visions simply because he wanted them to know i have seen jesus so i also have some authority do you understand that guys are we together so now authority of the apostle hey time please give me eight more minutes I'll just do what I can in eight minutes. So, for the authority of the apostles, so a book's authorship must can only be accepted if it is clearly by the apostles. That was one of the authority of the New Testament canon. The book must either be written by an apostle or by a close associate of the apostle of, of an apostle. For example, a very good example: the book of Matthew was written by an apostle. The book of Mark was written by John Mark. He wasn't an apostle, but he was a very close accompany of Peter. Are we together in Peter's ministry? Don't forget that John Mark was a cousin to Barnabas. Are we together? The same John Mark that was the reason Barnabas and Paul splitted. Are we together, guys? So John Mark was a very close associate or a very close company to Peter in his ministry. Luke was a physician. He wasn't an apostle. But Luke was a very close company to Paul in Paul's ministry. Are we together? So, and then John, of course, John the Beloved was an apostle. So more or less, the authority, so it's either written by an, an apostle who is, of course, a doctrinal foundation or a close, associated, a close associate to that apostle. In other words, the authority of the apostle rubs off on that person for writing. Do you understand me? So if, if for example, John Mark tells us something about Jesus, he must have heard it from Peter. Because, of course, John Mark was not alive. So the only person that he would have heard from that would have given him enough information would have been who? Peter. Paul, to, um, um, this thing too. Um, what's his name? Luke must have heard enough from Paul. Of course, Paul himself too wasn't with Jesus in the flesh. So Paul would have learned from the apostles. But because Paul now, as a reason of validation over time, which by the way, I must also add, add this. Do you realize that the four Gospels are actually the last books of the New Testament that were written? Yes. They are among the last. I won't say the last because Revelation was written in 63 AD. So Revelations and Hebrews, people are not so sure. 
no not hebrews sorry revelations particularly people are not so sure if revelations is like but revelations is was written around 63 ad the four gospel the four gospels were written between 50 to 60 ad 50 to 60 ad around that time so the four gospels were written after most of the epistles had been written so that was the reason why Paul's eyewitness accounts could now be enough testimony. Because now, Paul has, you know, he has become a big man in the ministry. He has done this, he has done that. So now, anybody that comes to write something to us, based on what Paul said, we are ready to listen to him. Do you understand? Do you get that? Exactly. So, the authority of the apostles. And this was one of the reasons why there were some books that we currently have in the New Testament canon that were debated. For example, the book of Hebrews. For a very long time, the church argued or debated whether or not the book of Hebrews should have been added to canon. But the book of Hebrews passed the remaining two tests that I'm going to show you very soon. So even though the writer of the book of Hebrews was not clearly seen or was not clearly known, people could say of a truth that this is a New Testament canon based on the two other distances I'm going to show you. The second rule or the second authority is the orthodoxy of scripture. The orthodoxy of okay now let me just say this also about the new testament canon that some of the books that were some of the books that are in the apocryphal books just like the old testament canon in the apocryphal books some of these books were written by the apostles we know around the second to the fourth century but here is why it gets interesting most of the apostles died in the first century for example, you need to understand, if you are saying that, for example, a lot of them even died young because of persecution. Do you understand? So, a lot of them died in the first century. So, for you to say an apostle wrote a book, for example, Thomas, there's, a, there's something called the Gospel of Thomas in the, in the Apocrypha, New Testament Apocrypha, the Gospel of Thomas. The Gospel of Thomas was dated to be written around 180 AD. That's the second century. For you to say that the God of Thomas was written in 180 AD. What you are saying is that Thomas lived up to about 180 years. That's definitely a lie. From even from a natural perspective, we don't have people who live that long. Not to not talk of a time when Christianity was being persecuted. Are we together, guys? Do you understand? So dating is just like Old Testament canon. Anything after Zechariah, there's a problem. Red flag. Are we together? So just like these guys too. Any epistle that claims to be written by the apostles, okay, but was beyond when the apostles lived clearly cannot be by an apostle does that make sense guys beautiful beautiful so that was the authority of the canon then also we have the orthodoxy of scripture orthodoxy of scripture just refers to the fact that does this book align with what the rest of the books teach so for example in some of the books like for example in the um in the new testament and of course that's what i spoke about for example you have the purgatory the idea of the purgatory that there's a special place that after you die you you know you go there and then you suffer a little, you suffer for a while, then if your sufferings cover for all the sins that you went through on earth, then you now make it to heaven. That's just in one of the apocrypha. But we don't see that consistent with scriptures. We actually see in scriptures that after a man's death is judgment. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So a man either goes to heaven or he goes to hell. Simply, after he dies. So no, so that's, so we see that, orthodoxy of scripture. There's also another thing, um, the baptism of the dead. Although the baptism of the dead was casually spoken about, by Paul in First Corinthians 15. He just said it in passing. People, that place, there is a lot of back and forth about it. Because there is something that is called the pseudo, pseudogryphal books. That's another, this thing. You can just write it down. P-S-E-U-D-O. Like pseudo, pseudogryphal books. Now those are books who, they claim, they are apocryphal books. But they are books that people were not entirely sure. 
they're not entirely sure so they didn't add it but at the same time the church did not entirely do away with it a lot of these books are the kind of books that the roman catholics actually have in their new testament canon are you with me okay but the, the books had too many gray areas so they just couldn't you know agree to it but what i was saying basically is the baptism of the dead now when you even now it was elaborately spoken about and you also need to understand that this thing we are talking about is not just some esoteric thing christianity was passed down to us from generation to generation so when you speak about baptism of the dead but we never see the people before us practice it where, where did it come from do you understand my point like you you wrote about baptism of the dead right but the people that passed down the faith was that preached the gospel us and disciples and disciples us we never see them practice baptism of the dead do you understand me so what or is it possible that the baptism of the dead that paul was speaking about actually means a different thing not to baptize somebody when they are dead are you with me guys do you understand me so there's a bit of that you know dicey area but basically the orthodoxy of scripture is the fact that the book must align with every other book this is one of the reasons why the book of hebrews was accepted one of the reasons not the only reason because of course when you read through the book of hebrews you cannot debate do you understand you clearly see that it's in agreement with the rest of the scriptures about salvation through faith in christ jesus does that make sense guys are we together in fact this was the reason why the book of james the book of second peter and the book of revelations were argued because if you read the book of james without paying enough um, enough attention to it james makes it look like salvation is by works and not just by grace do you understand so the protestants actually had issues with this book because i mean protestants someone like luther was sola sola gratia that's by grace alone sola scriptura by faith alone do you understand so and um, um glory to god the solid gloria so the way it was they were but if you pay attention to james very well when you read it well you know that james wasn't teaching salvation by works are you with me he just made a lot of emphasis on works does that make sense guys I'm sorry we can't really go to james all right so that was that second peter as well second peter had a funny style of writing i don't I, if you've not read the book very well you might not understand what i'm saying but if you read second peter particularly chapter 2 and the book of jude there's a way the writing is that is very weird right i I can't really go into details of that okay and then last but not least revelations people had issues with revelations because that apocalyptic sense and that using of heavy use of um figures imagery and so on and so forth it wasn't the way the epistles in the church was written so they had serious fights do you understand with it however the third rule is the reason the but the, the the other two rules went for the for the book of revelation the first rule being apostolicity meaning that people were sure that john wrote it so even though they had issues with what he said we they knew that ah, of the truth john wrote this book that's number one number two the timeline for when the book was written was 63 a.d john was still alive it was in the first century so they knew of the truth john wrote this thing number three is now what is called um the the catholicity of scripture catholicity of scripture what this just means is is this particular um book is it accepted by christianity as a whole when we say catholicism we're not talking about the roman catholic church or is it just we're talking about catholic means universal meaning does the entire church agree to this thing or is it just something that is upheld by a particular sect are we together guys is it just something that a particular set agrees to or is it something that the entire church agrees to so now for a book like the book of revelations for example from the apostolicity sense we know of course he wrote it from the orthodoxy sense it looks like ah, we are not used to it but from the catholicity sense we all know that Jesus is going to come in do you understand so 
he clears those other two rules it's not like orthodoxy too it's totally wrong do you understand but it's just the style of writing so it's not a different message it's just a different style of writing do you understand me so that was why they had a little concern do you understand by the end of it they went with it okay um let me see so let me just explain that catholicity of scriptures now because of how scattered the church was oh time is long gone let me just finish this one and then we'll take a break so because of how the church was scattered abroad because of persecution all right the, this is what brings the idea of manuscripts so the way it would work is now people don't need to start writing because you don't know if today's service that you came for is the last <laughs> you don't know if that's the last service you are going to attend so now whenever an epistle was written everybody will start writing their own do you understand me because we don't know when next we are going to see you do you get my point so if they send an epistle to maybe laodicea everybody in laodicea will come come and write right 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 so you write your own so you can go and read in your house that's the reason why the people were having churches in houses are you with me they couldn't gather as a whole they were having churches in different houses okay so this house will have their own epistle this house will have their own epistle this house will have their own epistles so it was because of that writing and writing and writing that we had so many manuscripts at the end of the day because as the gospel was of course as you preach the gospel to a man get him saved what will you do those writings you have you also share it with him now you won't give him your own but <laughs> you won't give him your own him too you will do what you will write from your own and keep it with him all right and so that was the reason over time those things we call manuscripts that's what it is manuscripts are just basically the different epistles that men wrote at different times simply because the church was scattered abroad are we together guys are we together are we together guys but now by the time constantine and we're going to talk about this when we come um, after the second this thing there's someone called emperor constantine emperor constantine was the person who legalized christianity in the roman church so the moment constantine came to power he won the war legalized christianity the first thing they did was to come together bring their manuscripts together to judge do you understand so now that okay oh, christianity has been legalized we can gather first and foremost the different books that we've been getting in different places because you need to understand the for example maybe i preach to zion zion preached to the second zion zion preached to lolade for example now you received the gospel from lolade all right a lot of information could have gone from me to you to jonathan like that so at the end of the war when persecution has ended come let's come together let's see if the things we've even been carrying together let's see if anything has been tampered with Do you understand my point so that was what made the church gather together but this is what important thing i'm going to say as i leave here because of time or as we end this session that there was never a special council that gathered together to determine what books were accepted or not because i'm sure you would have heard of some councils the council of nicaea the council of Trent. we're going to talk about that when you come in the next session no council ever gathered to determine what books were to be read as a church or accepted as a church in the new testament no the canon of scripture was determined by the entire church because at the end of the day there wasn't it wasn't hard to know why a book was not part of the scripture for example when you hear that um, apostle this one wrote this book and, he, and this book was written in the second century and it's not possible now this person died in this particular point in time do you understand my point and he says this this and this and no it's not possible now all right clearly this is the theme of scripture this doesn't align so it couldn't have been a part are we together guys and so that was the reason why at the end of the day when they came together they now began to judge among themselves because there was actually a book known as third corinthians the third epistle to the corinthians which wasn't written by paul but was written by a brother from the church now the funny thing about the third corinthians is there's nothing bad in third corinthians so 
is a good letter. But for the fact that it was written by a brother in the church, you know what they did? They excommunicated him. That was how serious it was. And that was the reason why, if you read one of Paul's letters, I think in the book of Galatians, he said this, he said, see what, he says, see with what large writings I write unto you. Historians say he wasn't talking about the length of the scripture. He was talking about his handwriting. That, look at the kind of way I'm writing to you. Look at my kind of writing. Look at the way I sign on my letters. This, is that. this was the reason why Paul had a consistent way of rounding up scripture and starting. Because it get, did a lot in letting people know, oh, this is the person that wrote it. Do you understand? Exactly. And that's the reason why we could know that the book of Hebrews was not written by Paul. Because Paul had a way he used to start his books. That wasn't the way, do you understand, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews started his own. Alright? So, I'm just going to stop here for now. Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us on carysoul.mini at gmail.com. We call you blessed.